0: Well, if you have a Bible, a paper one or an electronic one, let's get it open and uh, turn to uh, 2 Corinthians. And if you don't, we'll have stuff on the screen for you. Um, and while you're doing that, uh, matter of fact, let me just give you a moment to do it and then we'll just pray. All right. Lord, thank you for an amazing day. Already, we've just seen you work powerfully uh, on our campus here this morning. And we just trust that you're going to do the same. And we're going to look at a really, t- a really, really tough topic today. So uh, I need you to speak through me in a powerful way, and Holy Spirit. I'm counting on you in a, in a magnificent way, and I need you, and uh, we need you, Lord, as we look at this uh, really tough topic uh, about suffering and pain. And we're so grateful for God's grace in Jesus' name, Amen. Over the last uh, several weeks, we've been in a in a study on the life of the Apostle Paul, and I want to tell you I, I have a a deep, deep love and respect for the Apostle Paul, and, and much of my love for him was birthed out of, a, out of a seminary class that I had in the fall of 1988 at Liberty Seminary. Um, I was in a class in the book of Acts, and, and we, we, we dug very deeply into the life of Paul, and my professor for the class was an older Korean prophet, uh, prophet professor, he's probably a prophet as well. Uh, but his name was Dr. Daniel Kim, and a uh, matter of fact, he's still alive. I believe he's in his 90s now, uh, but just a brilliant teacher, deep love for Scripture, very passionate for the Lord, and just had a, he had a great admiration for the Apostle Paul, but sometimes he would, he would struggle to find the right English word or phrase to describe something. And I remember one time, uh, it was the beginning of the semester, he was trying to describe just how great of a missionary Paul was, and, and, and everybody in the class, and it was about, about half Korean students and half uh, non-Korean students, and, we, and, and, and he was struggling to find the right phrase and words to describe the Apostle Paul. And, and it went something like this, this is kind of how it played out. He, he said like this, Apostle Paul, man above man such a such a great man. And, and he was then trying to say that he was the cream of the crop and it came out like this. He was, he was like the cream, the cream of the wheat. <laughs> and ever, of course, everybody who was not Korean died laughing, but all of the Korean students just like, because in, in a Korean culture, you never ever laugh at an older Korean professor and gentleman. It was like deep respect, even though I think they really wanted to. But, Listen, there, no study of the life of Paul would be complete if, it did not, if we did not spend at least one morning talking about the topic of suffering and trials and pain. And I want you to know that Paul suffered greatly for the sake of the gospel. His conversion experience, as you remember, started off with three days of blindness. Um, he then spent three years preparing for ministry in the lonely desert of, of Arabia, um, once he actually began his ministry as effective and, and as powerful of a man he, as he was for the Lord, his, his entire journey in life was filled with suffering, pain, and some horrific trials. Some of, it, some of his suffering we will be able to relate to, and some of it we, we're just going to have to read about it in awe because, it, honestly, it's extreme. I don't think any of us will ever... Be shipwrecked or, or be beaten like like Paul was, but honestly um, it, it was it was a horrific thing that he went through and The topic of suffering, to be really honest with you, for the sake of the gospel is not an easy topic to speak on, especially in our western religious culture this This would be a much easier topic for me to talk about in, in a, with a group of Christians or a group of church planners in Cuba than it would be uh, to a bunch of Christians in northwest Atlanta. And there's a couple reasons for that. One one is just simple that there's just a lot of bad theology that has been attached to the issue of pain and suffering. For example, uh, in, in the world of religion that I grew up in, if someone was suffering, it was just automatically assumed that that person was either being punished by God or they were under demonic attack. Everything was, was blamed on Satan. It was either God's wrath on that person or Satan was messing with them. Now just to clarify, there are moments when we fall into sin and, and we actually will bring God's discipline upon us and God is a loving, loving Father who will allow us to experience some trials sometimes to just bring us back to Him and He, he loves us like that. And also, Satan does attack us. If you're a follower of Jesus, he can't own you, he can't possess you, but he can mess with you. And then there's sometimes, honestly, that we just bring pain and trial and suffering upon ourselves because we just do stupid, foolish things. We did a series a few years ago called Stupid Human Tricks, and it was all about the pain that we bring upon our lives because of our own foolish decisions. But here's really the bottom line. When it comes to suffering, we, we experience suffering and pain because we live in a fallen, sin-stricken, jacked-up, messed-up world. That, that's the bottom line. So it's really bad theology to believe that all of our pain and suffering comes from either God's discipline or Satan messing with us or even our own stupid decisions. Sometimes it's just the fact that we just live in a jacked-up, fallen world. There's also a false idea that's very popular out here in Western culture, that that says that when you become a Christian, then all of your suffering and trials are going to go away because salvation equals happiness and pain-free living. And that all sounds good in our minds, but it's not biblically true. The Christian life and walking in the Spirit will hopefully lead us to inner joy and peace and contentment, especially in the midst of suffering. But God never promises a life that is void of pain and trials and heartache, and suffering. Matter of fact, you may be surprised to find out this morning that, that oftentimes suffering is actually part of God's sovereign plan for our lives to prepare us to be faithful and useful servants. My, my own journey into ministry is, is honestly a case study for the fact that God will use trials and heartache to shape and sharpen someone for his purposes, and that, that God is, is so much more interested in our holiness than he is our happiness, The great German theologian uh, who was uh, prominent in the 60s and 70s, a guy by the name of Helmut Felix, was once asked after he had stayed for quite a while in America, they they asked him, they said, "What, what do you think is the greatest defect among American Christians? And he replied this. He said they have an inadequate view of suffering. So with all of that said, here's a little encouragement to you. The next time that you see someone Or you hear of someone that is going through immense pain or suffering? Don't immediately throw out the judgment card on them that God is punishing them because of some kind of sin. Or that the devil is having his way with someone because maybe they've opened a door for that to happen. Listen, instead, understand this, that that suffering and trials and even pain is part of our journey as Christians. Every person in this room is going to face some sort of pain, some sort of trial, and some sort of suffering at some point in our lives. It's going to happen. It may come in the form of, of a loss. I, I, when I say that, I think of just recently a sweet couple in our church, David and Haley Cole, they lost their three-year-old son, Holston in, a, in a tragic accident. It may, it may come in the form of a debilitating physical situation. I think of of Chris and Jamie Sparkman, who've been part of our church for a lot of years. And Chris, as you know, he just went through his 52nd surgery as a result of a, of a gunshot wound to the stomach. A few years ago, if you remember, he was involved in a situation in Kennesaw where a gunman tried to take out a UPS a FedEx place. It may be be the pain of watching a child or a a family member walk away from God. It may come in the form of persecution for standing for Christ. Uh, This past week I was in Boston. Some of you may know, and if you don't, you you now will, that that we're we're heavily invested in helping to plant churches in the city of Boston. And we now have three church planters that we've invested in and helped to to get off the ground up there, and they're doing well. But but I was standing with a church planter in East Boston and we were overlooking the whole East Boston area and, and the bay and, 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 and across there was Logan Airport and we were standing next to this 50-foot statue of, of, of Mary. And he was talking about how much persecution that his teenage children have gone through since they've moved from California to Boston. And I, and I, and I just sat there listening to this and I'm thinking... I was speechless, and I'm not speechless a lot, by the way. I I was speechless listening to how extreme the persecution was that his kids were going through for being Christ followers in a public school in a city that is vital to our country's spiritual history, right here in our own country. I, I just couldn't believe it. I have no idea this morning what type of pain or trials or suffering you may be facing in this moment. And, and I, don't wanna, I don't want this morning to come off as, you know, as, oh, I walked in, I'm, I'm a visitor to Westridge. What a down service. You, you are a fatalist, dude. What's wrong with you this morning? Because I want you to know, as Christians, we have so much to rejoice over. We just sang about so much of, of what we have to rejoice over. But here's what we're going to learn from Paul's life today. Regardless of what we face, Regardless of how bad things get in our life, how much suffering, how much trials, how much heartache we go through, we can find strength in God's grace. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can anchor yourself in the truth that God has given us grace to deal with whatever he allows us to face. The Bible says that his grace is sufficient which means it's more than enough for whatever we go through. And when we are at our weakest, it is a platform for God to be at his strongest in our lives. The Bible says God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And if there was ever a man that understood this truth in a very powerful way, it was the Apostle Paul. From the day that Paul received God's gift of salvation, there was hardly a day that passed that he was not in some type of intense physical pain. Or he was dealing with some form of trial or suffering or facing some kind of hardship because of his calling and passion to share Jesus Christ with the lost world. And thankfully, Paul was open and authentic enough to, to bear his soul and to share a lot of this journey of his suffering with us here this morning. We know for a fact that Paul wrote at least 13, maybe 14, of the books of the New Testament, and all of them are filled with passion, they're filled with emotion. However, none of them speak more deeply about Paul's personal journey or actually give us a window into the tough emotions and trials that he went through than 2 Corinthians. And it really is, quite honestly, 2 Corinthians is a look at Paul's theology on suffering, Listen to how Paul starts off this letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So right away, Paul mentions two words, affliction and comfort. He doesn't, and he doesn't waste any time telling us why sometimes God will allow us to experience specific pain and he knows that eventually we're going to be able to use that pain or that suffering to comfort someone else very specifically. Over the last several years, we've lost quite a few of of, of our children and and young adults here at Westridge Church. It's been tough. We've we've lost some, some staff members. And every time it happens, like it did a few weeks ago, I will look out into a funeral crowd and I'll, and I'll see moms and dads who have, who have lost a child, who may have no connection with the couple who may be sitting right down here who just lost a child, but they're there to bring support and, and comfort as grieving parents. If you ever struggled through the pain of a divorce, no one understands as much as you do when, when a friend tells you that, that his or her spouse just walked out on them. If you've ever had cancer or, or some other kind of life-threatening illness, no one understands better than you do how someone else feels who has just received that same news. When, when, I, when a man in our church or in the community tells me that they just lost their dad, I immediately connect with them because I lost my dad very tragically almost 12 years ago. Matter of fact, I have a book that I give them because I, I, somebody gave me a book right after my dad died. It's called When Your Father Dies. And, and I send that book, and every time I hear of a man who lost their dad, I will write a note, send that book to that guy because it ministered to me so much. Matter of fact, if, you, if you've lost your dad in the last 12 years or even before that, if you let me know, I will send you that book because it just ministered to me. And I, I just connect with people who have lost a dad, men who have lost their dads. But that's how God's works. When we go through afflictions, not only does God give us the grace to deal with it, but that same grace gives us the strength to comfort others who are going through the same things. Then you you dig a little deeper and further into chapter 1, and Paul begins to actually dive specifically into his own suffering. And and he writes to his friends at Corinth that he didn't want them to be unaware of the fact that, that while he was ministering in Asia, he was under such a great burden that he ran out of strength and that he even despaired for his life. You say, what does that mean? Well, it means that there were times in Paul's ministry when he faced such hard times that it drove him into deep despair and depression. Now, I don't know if that helps any of you to know that, or maybe it hopefully even removes some shame off of you about your own issues. But there, are, there were times that Paul was so down and so discouraged and so depressed that he didn't know if he was going to make it. But the grace of God always came through for him. But constantly, Paul would find his strength in Christ and God, as he would talk about, would always just hold him together. Paul always had enough strength in God's grace to carry him through his suffering and his pain. And then Paul says in verse 9, he says, and this is my paraphrase, by the way, through, through my darkest moments, I learned to trust Christ, and God came through, and he showed me his remarkable power, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. Folks, that's called grace. Paul had a power in his life, just like you do, that gave him the strength to endure whatever it is that he was facing. It was grace. Grace. Now I want you to take your Bible and you turn a few pages over to chapter four, because he actually takes us a little deeper into his own story. You look at verse eight, chapter four. It says, "We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed." He says, we're perplexed, but, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in our bodies. For we who, who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Listen, did you catch the words that Paul just used to describe his life? He used the word afflicted, he talks about persecuted. He uses the word perplexed and struck down. Listen, this wasn't a guy who was being punished by God. This wasn't a guy at this point in his story who was being messed up, messed around by Satan or even doing stupid things. This was a man who walked intimately with God. And he says, listen, as I did that, I was was afflicted, I was persecuted, I was perplexed, and I was struck down. And if that wasn't enough, look at chapter 6. Because in chapter 6 and verse 4 it says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions and hardships and calamities and beatings and imprisonments and riots, labors, sleepless nights, hungers. And then you flip a few pages over into chapter 11 and then he gets even more specific about his own journey. And he says in verse 23 that five times I received the, the, the Jews' 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent an entire day and night floating adrift in the ocean. He had been in danger from robbers and rivers and from his own people, the Jews, and from outsiders. He had been falsely accused. He had been... Overworked and had many sleepless nights, he had starved and gone without water for long periods of times, and he had shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep him warm. In other words, he almost froze to death. Paul knew what it meant to be misunderstood and mistreated, and to be forgotten about, and to be lonely, and to be abused, and to be beaten, and shipwrecked, and starving, and to put in a prison and left for dead. And yet, in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse thirty, he says this. I refuse to brag on how tough I am to endure all of this. I refuse to boast about my grit or my courage or my physical or emotional toughness. Instead, if I have to boast, I will boast of things that show my weakness. Now, honestly, you have to ask the question at this moment what the heck's wrong with this guy? I mean, who brags in their weaknesses in the midst of this kind of suffering? Is this man insane? Now, listen, this is a man who God developed on the molding table of pain and suffering to be the greatest missionary of all times. This was God's man to reach the ends of the earth. But instead of bragging about how tough he was or how resilient he was to endure all of this suffering, Paul decided to brag about the power of Christ in his life throughout all of the suffering. My professor, Dr. Kim, was right. This man right here, he was the cream of the wheat. Think about if Paul was alive today. If people were watching this great missionary going through all this suffering, he'd be getting anonymous emails questioning his walk with the Lord. Theologians and reporters would, would, would be analyzing his life on CNN or Fox News questioning whether Paul had any secret sin in his life that was responsible for all this kind of suffering. The, the peanut gallery on Twitter and Facebook might suggest that all of this was a result of just Satan hammering this guy. But none of this would have been true. Because behind every bit of pain and suffering and every trial that Paul endured, we see the hand of God allowing it to happen. God could have held it back, but he chose not to. And the more that it happened, we see God's amazing grace on display in Paul's life. In fact, the more he suffered, the more Paul bragged about the power of God in his life. You don't see any bitterness towards God in Paul's writing. He doesn't even he doesn't blame God. He doesn't blame anyone else for it. He had friends that desert, deserted him after he received Christ. He was persecuted by the, the same synagogue leaders who were at one time, his cheerleaders, and, and yet there's no talk of anger, no talk of retaliation on Paul's part. You say, why? How could that be? Because there was an intimacy with Christ that Paul had discovered that was greater than his suffering. Paul just he could never get over the fact that Jesus Christ died for him personally. And that God personally rescued him from this very destructive person that he, that he had become and gave him new life in Christ. He just couldn't get over it. Paul was captivated by the power of God's grace. And the more that he suffered, the more he he discovered that God's grace was more than enough to get him through. The weaker he he became physically or emotionally, God's grace gave him strength to put the power of Christ on display. Listen to what Paul writes from a a jail cell in a little city called Philippi. In Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. I love that verse. I I really do, but just half of it. I mean, who can honestly say, "I I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death? Nobody prays that. But Paul had it all figured out, didn't he? He knew that the more that he suffered for the sake of Christ, the more God would be able to use him to put Christ on display to a lost world. And that was his drive. That was a, he was a man on a mission to take the name of Jesus and to make it famous all over the world. That he was a messenger. This, this was a man who walked with a whole at a whole other level of intimacy with Jesus. But this was a guy that also could have gotten a, a bit arrogant or prideful or even self righteous about his walk with Christ. Because the fact was, I mean, this was God's superman, super missionary. Because if you remember, Paul even confesses in some of his letters, before Christ, you know, that was kind of a big deal. Philippians 3, look at Paul just goes through his list of accomplishments. Well, knowing that, God had a plan for that as well. It was called a thorn that would not go away. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul tells us, a little bit about how close he is with God and how God had given him actually some special visions, some, some, some insider insight. He calls it some insider revelation about Jesus in heaven. God was kind of letting him see things that no one else saw. And then he says this in verse 7, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Paul says, to keep me from being arrogant and prideful about the special closeness that I had with Jesus, God allowed a messenger of Satan to harass me in the form of a thorn. Now the Greek word for thorn here means a sharply pointed stake. And God reveals himself to Paul in this amazing vision and then allows him, believe it or not, to experience agonizing pain for the rest of his life. Why? To keep him humble. Now, what exactly did Paul experience? Well, some people think it was a series of sinful temptations. Some people think it was tremendous persecution. Some people think it was some kind of physical deformity. Some suggest Paul had migraines or epilepsy or or eye trouble. Some theologians, believe it or not, even think that Paul became a hunchback. We don't really know, quite honestly. I don't think it really matters. Paul calls it a messenger of Satan. You see, the enemy hoped to use it to cause Paul to get bitter and to turn away from God and his calling on his life. But instead, God used it to keep Paul humble and dependent upon him and to drive him to his knees. You can almost sense this war going on in the cosmic air airwaves uh, air, air above Paul's life. Satan punching and pounding on Paul to get him to walk away from God. And yet the Lord just continued to give him grace to endure, to humble him and to keep him from getting a big head. Chuck Swindoll says, Pride doesn't reside in the hearts of the broken, the split apart, the wounded, and the anguished of soul. This, this thorn in the flesh humbled Paul. It caused him great pain. Matter of fact, in verse 8, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. And honestly, I would be doing the same thing. Matter of fact, I have prayed prayers like this. Father, remove this grief. Remove this pain. Remove what my boys are dealing with right now. I can't tell you how many times over and over and over again, Amy and I have prayed prayers like that, sometimes laying in our bed at night, crying, tears running in our face. Lord, please. And that's how God, that's how Paul prayed here. But how did God respond? Look at verse 9. But he said to me, God said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God allowed Paul to experience a thorn that would not go away, and to deal with it, he gave him a grace that would just not let go. Now, I want you to understand very clearly what just happened here. Paul is pleading with God to take away his pain. Lord, give me some relief here, and God says to him, no. 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 Instead, God says, I'm going to give you something else, Paul. I'm going to give you sufficient grace. In other words, my grace will be more than enough for you. Because not only will you find strength to endure in my grace, but, but you will have power. My power will be put on display because of your weakness. Now, honestly, how many of us truly could handle an answer like that? I, I'm, I'm not going to heal you. Instead, I'm going to use you and your pain to draw people to my son Jesus. Now, here's what I've learned about suffering and pain and trials it is not always God's will that you be healed, God doesn't always relieve the pressure when we're suffering. God's plan for our lives is not always wonderful from a human standpoint. I don't care who says it is. It's not always wonderful from a human standpoint. And happiness is not God's chief goal for our lives. Yes, Brian, but that, wait a minute, that's not what I've been taught by the TV preacher that I'm currently listening to. I know, but that's, that's the truth from Scripture, and Paul's life is a real-life case study for how oftentimes God deals with suffering and pain. God may not always heal us or relieve the suffering or take away the thorn because, because he will give us the grace that will not go away. He says, my grace will be more than enough. My grace will be greater than, your, than your, your own strength. It'll be greater than your loss. It'll be greater than your pain. It'll be greater than your thorn, whatever that may be in your life. And here's why. Why? God says, because when you are weak, then I'm strong. When you're weak, then I'm strong. See, we, we think success, we think it's success that makes us strong. We think that it's achievement that makes us strong. Achievement and success actually tend to make us prideful and self-righteous. It's the painful thorns that make us weak. But when we're weak, he pours his grace and he pours his strength into us, which gives us a whole nother perspective on suffering and pain and hardships. It's the suffering and the despair and the stress of life that drives us to our knees. And that's when God's grace comes through. That's when it comes through. Chuck Swindoll says life is not about your being comfortable and happy and successful and pain-free. It's about becoming the man or woman God has called you to be. Let's look at Paul's response to God's answer. All right, Lord, if you're not going to heal me, then I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let me read that from Eugene Peterson's version called The Message. It says, "I quit focusing on the handicap and begin appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over, and so the weaker I get, the stronger I become." Way to go Eugene Peterson. See, that's the complete reverse of, think, of thinking, isn't it? It's a complete reverse way of thinking. When we keep boasting about ourselves, when we stay prideful, and, and, and we, we, we keep running in our own power, what happens? We eventually run out. We, we come to the end of ourselves, but when we keep boasting about Jesus in the midst of our brokenness and our weakness and our suffering, Christ comes through every time. When we keep putting him on display, grace comes through to rescue, and that's where we find strength. That's, that, that's when we can say, when I'm weak, he is strong. Now, as, as we close, I want to give you four R's. Four. To hold on to when you're suffering. First of all, recognize, recognize that suffering is not a new concept. In the oldest book in the Bible, we meet a man named Job. Job may be the only man in the whole Bible that suffered more than Paul. And Job says these words, Job 5-7, Yet man is born to trouble, as surely as sparks fly upward. See, we need to put aside this teaching that if, if we trust Christ to be our Savior, then everything's going to be happiness and roses. We, we actually need to teach our kids and our grandchildren that suffering and trials are a very real part of life, a very, very real part of the Christian life. See, we, we live in a messed up, sinful, falling world where people go through tough, tough times. And it's been like this since the day that man fell in the Garden of Eden. We need to realize, second thing, that that suffering plays a beneficial role in our lives. That realization, let me tell you what, it will keep you from looking for someone else to blame when you're going through tough times. When we go through tough times, it's easy for us to, to look for something or someone to put the blame on. And you may be struggling or suffering this morning, and you are, in your mind, you're consumed with a person that you blame for your issues. You think about them in the morning when you wake up. You think about them all through the day. They're the person on your mind when you go to bed at night. And you may be struggling with bitterness or or thoughts about wanting to retaliate against that person. You want justice, and you may be justified in your feelings for wanting justice. But here's what I would encourage you to do. Give God all those emotions. Give Him all those feelings, all those hurts, and allow God's grace to turn this situation into a win. Give, give, give this to, the, to God and, and ask him, Lord, would you strengthen me for your glory? Ask him to use you to help someone else through their tough time. Don't miss what God is wanting to do in your life through your suffering. God never wastes a moment of our suffering or our pain or our trials. He does not. The third thing, release the idea that contentment requires comfort. You can find contentment in life regardless of what you're going through. Listen to to Paul's words as he's sitting in a nasty prison cell, chained to a wall, thinking he could possibly die. Philippians 4, verse 11, he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says this, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. See, the secret to Paul's contentment was knowing that Christ's strength in his life was being perfected in weakness. The weaker Paul became, the stronger Christ became. That's why he could say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That verse doesn't mean I can dig down deep into my own well of strength. I can can find my strength and my own power. No, no, no. It means the weaker I become, the stronger Christ becomes. He knew that regardless of what happened, God's grace would give him strength and it would be more than enough. It would be sufficient. And then remember. Remember that God's grace is sufficient for whatever we face in life. Paul pleaded with God take it away God take it away take it from me I can't handle it anymore and God says my grace is sufficient for you Paul for my power is made perfect in weakness you may be suffering right now here this morning honestly it may be a result of your own sinfulness and Satan is just now he's jumped on and he's piling on that's how it works He's piling on and just beating you, and God says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. There's forgiveness. My grace is sufficient. My power will be made perfect in weakness. It'll be put on display. You may be going through a divorce here this morning. Some of you, some of it's a result of your own foolishness. You share in that. It really doesn't matter at this point, does it? Because honestly, it's, it's just painful. Let's just deal with it how it is. And God says to you, my grace is more than enough for you. My power will be made perfect and put on display in your weakness. You may be dealing with chronic pain or depression or illness. Something's going on. You, you pleaded with God to take it away, and God has said no. No. My grace will be sufficient for you to walk through this journey. You may be lonely this morning. Got a lot of single adults in the room. Got a lot of folks who have lost a husband or a wife and you're just lonely. Maybe you've been through a divorce and you're lonely. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power will be made perfect in your weakness. You may be looking ahead at your life and you feel like your dreams have been crushed. And your future looks dim. Can I tell you? You can find strength in God's grace because his grace is sufficient for you. His power will be made perfect in your weakness. When you are weak, he will be strong. All of us in this room... If we're not, we will be. Dealing with suffering, dealing with pain, dealing with trials, dealing with heartaches. His grace is sufficient for us, isn't it? His power, if we will boast upon Him and not ourselves, our own strength, our own power, our own resilience to get through and to fight through it. No, no, no. When I'm weak, He's strong. When I dig down deeper, I'll find. No, no, no. When I'm weak, He's strong. When I'm weak, he puts his power on display so that God can use me to either help others or to point people to Jesus. That's Paul's theology of suffering. I want us to bow our heads for just a moment. Lord, all of us in this room have either dealt with suffering, we're dealing with it now, or we will be. I don't know exactly what it looks like for everybody, but I can tell by the tears that are flowing in in the audience that, that there are some folks that are here this morning that this is hitting home. It hits home to me very personally. I thank you for grace. I'm overwhelmed by grace. And I still don't even know the depths of it. I feel like I'm just scratching the surface but I know that it's more than enough. And it's more than enough for every person in this room this morning. Because, Lord, when we're weak, you're strong. When we have no more power left, Lord, your power is made perfect. And so I pray for every person in this room who's struggling, who's, who's suffering, who's going through a trial, who's going through loneliness and loss and pain and heartache. Lord, we've, some people are praying. You're saying no. You're saying not yet. Maybe you're saying wait. Maybe you're saying yes, but not now, Lord. We, I don't know. It, Lord, there's so many things going on here today, but you know everything very specifically, and you're sovereign, and we love you and we trust you.